discover the inherent power of God in you. Whether there are challenges or not, we are still the same. We are constant. God is constant. God does not change. And that is the life that we have received. It says Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That is the same life we have also received. We are also the same yesterday, today, and forever. What kind of life? We, we, we are the same because we have the same life with Christ. So when you think about God, think about you. Because everything he is, that is why he told Abraham, he said, I am your, your exceeding great reward. God gave himself as a reward to Abraham. And we are the seed of Abraham. Therefore, we have inherited God himself. Listen to Pastor Oti Boateng as Christ is magnified in you. Hallelujah. Well, I've been sharing concerning your mind, the, the word and the spirit, isn't it? Your mind, the word, and the spirit. And today I want us to continue in, a, in another light. Okay? So let's start from 2 Timothy chapter 3, from verse 14. 2 Timothy chapter 3, from verse 14. But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned it, learned them, and that from a child. Thou hast known the scriptures which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Then he says, All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. Hallelujah. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. And it says that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. Praise the Lord. You see, the word of God is very important, right? I know you know the word of God is important, isn't it? It's too important. It says it's profitable. For doctrine, for reproof, okay, for correction. Then it says for instruction in righteousness. For instruction in righteousness. One of the major things that happens to us the day we become born again is the fact that righteousness is given to us as a gift, isn't it? Righteousness is just imputed to our spirits. We receive that nature of God into our spirits. It's very important to understand what righteousness really is. There are various sides of righteousness, okay. But this scripture it says the scriptures is for instruction in righteousness. It's to instruct you. It means that it's an instruction manual. You know, the last time we met, I was talking about the fact that every single machine comes with a manual. In the same way, the life of God that we've, we've received comes with a manual. The life of righteousness that we receive comes with a manual. And that manual is the scriptures. That manual is the Bible. You see, that manual is the Bible. That manual teaches you what to do. The word of God is a person. You must acknowledge that the word of God is a person. If you read in Hebrews chapter 4 verse 12, the word of God is um, spoken of as a person. You see. Hebrews, let's read it. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 12. It says, For the word of God is quick and powerful. Let's read the Amplified. Let's read the Amplified so that we understand it even more. It says, For the word that God speaks is alive. Say he's alive. alive. You get it? It's only animate things are alive, isn't it? Inanimate things are not alive, right? So he says that the word of God, the word that God speaks is alive and full of power. Is alive and full of power, making it active, operative, energizing, and effective. Is active. 
You see, so it's making it active, operative, energizing, and effective. It is sharper than need to wear sword, penetrating to the dividing line of the breath of life, that is the soul, and the immortal spirit, and of the joints and of joints and marrow of the deepest parts of our nature. Then it is exposing and sifting and analyzing and judging the very thoughts and purposes of the heart. That is why it can reprove. That is why it can correct. Because it does, it has this ability. It can do the word of God can do this. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. The word of God can what can do this. It says it can it can get to know the deepest part of our nature, exposing and sitting and analyzing and judging the very thoughts and the very purposes of the heart. Look at the next thing, verse 13. Then it says, and not a creature exists that is concealed from his sight. He says that he has sight. The word of God has sight. Not a creature exists that is concealed from his sight, but all things are open and exposed and naked and defenseless to the eyes of him with whom we have to do. He's still talking about the word of God. Isn't it? And we all know that the word of God is what became flesh and was called Jesus Christ, isn't it? So the word of God is a person and it has an ability. It can do something. You see, as an instruction manual, it can show you how to live. You see, because the word of God has worked on this earth before. And he succeeded. The Bible says that he was tempted in all parts, but was not found with sin. He says he was without sin. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The word of God is a person. And he can instruct you. He can show you how to live. The word of God has showed a lot of people how to live in time past. If you look at Isaac, Abraham, Jacob, all those wonderful people that we know in the scriptures, they were all led by the word of God through their life and we should we should what to do with our lives okay so we must also walk in the same line we must also walk in the same line the last time i also remember quoting a scripture in ephesians chapter chapter 2 verse 10 where it says that for we are the workmanship of god in christ jesus isn't it then it says we are recreated unto good works see we are recreated for we are his workmanship created in christ jesus unto good works which god has before deemed that we should walk in them Hmm. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. So our lives, who you are, okay, you have become the very word of God. God has given birth to you after his nature, which is the nature of the word, and which is also the nature of righteousness, and has given you his life. Okay, that's why I keep telling you that we are not ordinary, we are different. We are different altogether. We are not the same. A lot of people are walking around, but not everybody comes from the same family. We belong to another family altogether. God has become our father. And he lets us know that the word of God is for instruction in righteousness. It's for correction. It's for reproof. You see. Then he says it is for instruction in righteousness. Then he says so that the man of God may be perfect. The word perfect is mature. May be blameless and mature. So that the man of God may be perfect. You see. Then he mentions that and thoroughly furnished unto all good works. Thoroughly furnished unto all good works. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Instruction in righteousness. I like that. It means that it can show you what to do. It can show you how to live. You see, the righteousness of God is defined in various ways. One of the major ways it's defined is the fact that it's the ability, of, the ability to stand before God without any sense of guilt or any sense of blame, isn't it? Or condemnation or anything like that. That is true. But there's a, there's a deeper one. There's, there's a higher one. Okay, that um, as you as you grow in the Lord, you get to know as well. And I want to share it with you. Hallelujah. 
The righteousness of God is the goodness of God. The righteousness of God is the goodness of God. It's the nature of God that makes him good. Hallelujah. The righteousness of God is the inability of God to sit and watch for something wrong to happen. And God demonstrates, it's called the righteousness of God. <laughs> the righteousness of God. If you read in Romans, Romans chapter 3, very famous scripture, isn't it? Romans chapter 3, from verse 20, he mentions the fact that, let's read Romans chapter 3, verse 20. It says, therefore, by the deeds of the law, or by the doings of the law, shall no flesh be made righteous, or be made, or declared not guilty before him, or in his sight. For by the knowledge of the law, or for by the law is the knowledge of sin. Then he goes on to say in verse 21, then he says, but now the righteousness of God, but now the righteousness of God without the law is manifested, being witnessed by the law and the prophets. So he says that this righteousness, the righteousness of God was spoken of. It was witnessed, was testified of by the law and the prophets. In other words, the Old Testament spoke about it. The prophets of the Old spoke about this particular righteousness. What were they talking about? What was this thing that the law and the prophets were speaking about? Called the righteousness of God. Well, how did they define it? Let me show you one. One of the prophets that spoke about the righteousness of God. Go to Romans. We are in Romans, right? Go to chapter 4. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, thank you, Jesus. You love Jesus. Hallelujah. Let's read from verse 1. Romans chapter 4 from verse 1. It says, What shall we say then that Abraham our father, as pertaining to the flesh, has found? For if Abraham were justified by works or declared not guilty by works, you know Abraham was declared not guilty by Abraham was called a friend of God. God brought him close. Abraham could stand before God and intercede for Sodom and Gomorrah, including Lot. Okay? And he was able to talk on behalf of Lot with God. It's not, it's, not, it's, not, it's not a small thing to stand before God and do that. But Abraham could do that. How come? God imputed unto him righteousness. And his righteousness was not by the law because the law had not come. When Abraham was talking to God, the law had not come. Abraham was even uncircumcised when he was talking to God. Hallelujah. It says, For if Abraham were justified by works, he has well to glory, but not before God. For what's here the scripture? Abraham believed God and it was counted unto him for righteousness. So Abraham, because he believed God, God declared him not guilty. Because he believed God. That was the only reason why God declared him not guilty. And gave him the ability to stand before him without any sense of guilt. Do you get it? Okay. So he says, look at verse 4. He says, now to him that worketh is a reward not reckoned, or the reward not counted of grace. If you are working to get to become righteous before God, then it is not accounted to grace. Grace is you are not doing it. God is doing it so that you can be counted not guilty before him. And declared not guilty before him. Do you understand? So he says that now to him that worketh is, is the reward not reckoned of grace, but of debt. But to him that worketh not, but believeth on him that justifieth the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness. In other words, one, the one who does not do it by works, but decides to do it by grace. Okay? He says his works, is, his faith is counted for righteousness. Hallelujah. Then verse 6 is what I want you to really see. He says, even as David also describes... Okay, or describe it, the blessedness of the man unto whom God imputed righteousness without works. Look at the next thing. See, saying, blessed are they whose iniquities are forgiven and whose sins are covered. He even spoke about the covering of sins. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's read it again. Read from verse 6 into verse 7. It's so nice. It says, even as David also, so David spoke about the, the, a certain kind of righteousness. It says, even as David also described the blessedness of the man unto whom God imputed righteousness without works. The one that God gives righteousness without his doing anything. That is you and I. So David spoke about us. This is in Psalm 32 verse 1. 
Look at the next verse, verse 7. It says, saying, Blessed are they whose iniquities are forgiven and whose sins are covered. David spoke about it. A lot of other prophets spoke about it. What were they talking about? What were they talking about? You see, in the Old Testament, of course, we know about what Adam did, right? I mean, every single truth begins from Genesis and ends, has its uh, end in, in Revelations. Because of what Adam did in Genesis chapter 3, the Bible says that all men fell short of the glory of God and could not come close to God. But God could not stand to look at man perish. So God brought something called the law. Okay? God took a man called Moses and used that man, Moses, to bring the Israelites out of bondage. And he used them, he used Moses to give them a law that was going to help them get close to him. Because nobody could get close to God. Until God handpicked them. God handpicked Moses to get close to him. And God handpicked the Israelites to get close to him. But all of them, they were full of sins. Full of foolishness. So in order for them to come close, God gave them the law. So that they would try and keep the law. They would keep the law. And the law had the priestly service. There was a priestly service of the law that allowed for someone, one man who could be purified during one day in a year. For him to come to God, in the, in the presence of God, for him to obtain mercy for every other person. That is the high priest. Aaron was the high priest. And after Aaron, other people came. Aaron's sons inherited him and became high priests as well. And their job was that they were supposed to go into the Holy of Holies. Through the giving of the Lord, God gave them a tabernacle or a temple in which he would come and dwell. So that they could come before him. And God sat in between, some, uh, in between two cherubims on a seat called the mercy seat. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Are you listening to me? Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. And once every year, that high priest would take a lamb. Okay? Kill the lamb and take the blood of that lamb into the Holy of Holies and sprinkle that, the blood of that lamb upon the mercy seat seven times. That priest must make sure he's pure so that he can obtain mercy for everybody. And the sins of every other person will be covered. And will be declared not guilty for one year. After one year, the same process will have to happen again. But that was even happening for just the Jews, not for everybody. And God could not stand and sit and allow for what he has created, his creation, his children, to, to perish. Okay? So God decided to give himself. He gave his son. So the righteousness of God is fulfilled in, like I said, in his inability to, to sit and watch things go to decay for things to become terrible but to step in and do something about the situation about what man had done hallelujah. hallelujah so god demonstrates his righteousness or his goodness by first of all giving his son to become the lamb so that lamb that was slain every year okay in israel during those times came as a man god gave his own lamb hallelujah, hallelujah. if you read in john chapter 1 Let's read it. Okay, so John chapter 1. Let's read from, from verse 35. John chapter 1 from verse 35. This is John the Baptist, okay? The Bible says, again, the next day after John stood and two of his disciples, and looking upon Jesus as he walked, he said, Behold, the Lamb of God. That's what John said. He said, Behold, the Lamb of God. In another place, he said that, Behold, the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. Okay? Who was that Lamb? He saw Jesus and called him the lamb. Which lamb was that? The lamb that was to take away the sin of the world. In the Old Testament, there was a lamb that took away their sin for one year. But God gave his own lamb. Who was himself? Hallelujah. 
And after God had given that lamb, God slain that lamb. You know that Jesus was killed, right? And Jesus went to the heavenly holy of holies with his own blood. So God became the lamb. We know that Jesus is God, right? So Jesus, God became the lamb. That is Jesus. At the same time, he became the high priest. That takes the blood of the lamb into the holy of holies. So he became the lamb, died, and took his blood. Rose up as a high priest and took his blood. And went into the heavenly holy of holies to pour the blood on the mercy seat upon which he himself is sitting. To accept that blood and to declare man not guilty. That is the righteousness of God. The righteousness of God is he becoming, he being good enough. And being kind enough to humanity to become the lamb, the high priest. And the one who takes the offering and declares not guilty. Does it make sense? His inability to sit and watch man perish is called his righteousness. His righteousness is what is declared or is shown in he becoming the lamb, he becoming the high priest, and he becoming the one to declare not guilty. The Bible calls him the propitiation for our sins. You see, when you read in, if you read in First John chapter two, let's read First John chapter two, verse verse one and verse two. You see it there. It says, "My little children, these things write I unto you that ye sin not." And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. Then he says, and he's the propitiation for our sins. The word propitiation means he's the mercy seat. The word propitiation, the Greek word is mercy seat. What, what's the Greek word? Helasmos. Okay, so we have Helasmos, Helasterion, and then Helaskomai. Helasmos is the mercy seat. Helasterion is the, the, the offering or the lamb. Okay, then Helaskomai is the one, is the, is the, is the job of the high priest. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So he became, he says, and he is a propitiation. And the word elasmos means what? Mercy seat, isn't it? Is that what he means? Okay. That's what he said. The means of appeasing. Other, is this Thea or strong? Strong. If Thea, if you have Thea, Thea will say mercy seat. Because that's what it means. It means mercy seat. So he became, he's a mercy seat. He's the one sitting on the mercy seat that declares not guilty. And he's the offering. And he's the offerer. Hmm. And why is he doing all that? Because he's good. He does that to declare his righteousness. Does it make sense? Let me show you another scripture. Go to Romans chapter 3. Let's read from famous Romans 3. Let's read from verse 22. We're in 21 before, right? We read to 21. So let's read from 21 to 22 to 23. What I want to say is in 25. But let me read from there. It says, but now the righteousness of God without the law is manifested. Being witnessed by the law and the prophets. Even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ, unto all and upon all them that believe. Then he says, for there is no difference. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Then he says, being justified or being declared freely. Being declared not guilty freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Whom God has set forth to be a what? A propitiation. Have you seen it? He has set, for, he has set Christ to be a propitiation. The same word appears here. What's the meaning of propitiation? Mercy seat. Hallelujah. He says, God has set Christ to be the mercy seat. So he's the one sitting on the mercy seat to declare not guilty. Whom God has set forth to be a propitiation through faith in his blood. To declare his righteousness. You see, so he did that. He made Christ to become the lamb, to become the mercy seat, and to become the high priest. Let me show you where he's the high priest. Keep your finger here. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 5 verse 1. Okay? Hebrews chapter 5 verse 1. It says, for every high priest taken from among men is ordained for men in things pertaining to God, that he may offer both gifts and sacrifices for sins. 
Who can have compassion on the ignorant and on them that are out of the way? For that he himself is also compassed with infirmity. By, and by reason hereof, he ought as for the people, so also for himself to offer for sins. And no man taketh this honor unto himself, but he that is called of God, as was Aaron. So also Christ glorified not himself to be made an high priest, you see. But he, he that said unto him, Thou art my son, today have I begotten thee. Look at the next thing. As he saith also in another place, Thou art a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. So he became a priest. A priest of what? He was a priest of that heavenly, that heavenly tabernacle. Go to chapter 7. Hebrews chapter 7. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You like what I'm saying to you? It's so nice. When I end it, you see what I'm talking about. There's so much I can read to you. Let's read from from verse 24. Hebrews chapter 7 from verse 24. Can you read it to me? One to go. Continue. Read to the end. Who needed not daily as those high priests to offer up sacrifice, first for his own sins and then for the people's. For this he did once when he offered up himself. Have you seen it? Isn't it not nice? Look at the next thing. 28. For the law maketh men high priests which have infirmity, but the word of the oath which was since the law maketh the son who is consecrated forevermore. Hallelujah. He's a, I say he's my high priest. <laughs> yeah, and he went into the heavenly holy of holies with his own blood. Go to chapter 6. Let's read from. Go to chapter 6. Let's read from verse 18. Let's read from verse 17 so that we see it. Okay? Wherein God, willing more abundantly to show unto the heirs of promise the immutability of his counsel, confirmed it by an oath, that by two immutable things in which it was impossible for God to lie, we might have a strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold upon the hope said before us which hope we have as an anchor of the soul both sure and steadfast and which entereth into that within the veil whether the forerunner is for us entered even jesus made an high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. so he went into that veil that heavenly you know all the that what was in the tabernacle of moses was actually a pattern of what was in the heavens because god told moses to do what he was doing after the order after the pattern that he had showed him hallelujah Hallelujah. i follow me so do you, do you understand that Christ is our high priest? So he became a high priest. If you read it, go to Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews is about Christ, the priestly service of Christ. And our priestly service after him. Okay? Look at verse chapter 4. Let's read from verse 14. Hebrews chapter 4 from verse 14. It says, seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens. Then it says, Jesus the son of God. Let us hold fast our profession. Eh? It says, for we have an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like us, we are yet without sin. Hallelujah. So he's our high priest, right? So you, I've showed you that he's the lamb, and I've showed you that he's the propitiation, the mercy seat, and I've showed you that he's the high priest. And the high priest was to take the blood of the lamb and take it into the Holy of Holies, pour it on the, the mercy seat where God was sitting, so that God would declare them not guilty. And Christ became all that, so that he can declare us not guilty. And that act is called the righteousness of God. 
that act of God becoming the lamb and becoming the high priest and becoming the message to declare not guilty is the goodness of God. It's called the righteousness of God. It's God's inability to sit and watch for man to go into decay or for man to perish. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. And by that man obtains redemption. Man is delivered. Okay? That is the righteousness of God. The righteousness of God is to bring his goodness. To bring his goodness into people's lives. To bring his goodness where it is needed. That is God's righteousness. Do you understand? So righteousness is, it's true, it's an ability that God grants to you to be able to stand before him without any sense of guilt or any sense of condemnation. That is true. But it also means, what the righteousness of God really means, that is why we can't say that you are the righteousness of God only. You are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Because if we say you are the righteousness of God, it means that you are the sheep and you are the high priest and you are the mercy but you are not. Christ is, isn't it? So we are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. That's what 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21 says. For he was made sin who knew no sin, so that we might be made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. He caused that, that gift that we receive, that nature of God that we receive, the gift of righteousness. But the righteousness of God is what I've described to you. So go back to Romans chapter 4. We're reading in, we're in verse 25, right? Romans chapter 4, verse 25. Sorry, Romans chapter 3, verse 25. Yes. Let's read from verse 24 so that we understand even better. Okay? So it's being justified or being declared not guilty. Okay? Freely by his grace. Through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. The word redemption is the buying back. That is in Christ Jesus. Okay? Let's go on. It says, whom God, Christ Jesus, whom God has set forth to be a mercy seat through faith in his blood. So he becomes your mercy seat through faith in his blood. Because on the mercy seat, the blood of the lamb is sprinkled. Do you understand? He says through faith in his blood. To declare his righteousness. So he did all that to declare his righteousness. To declare his goodness. He made Christ to become the mercy seat so that he can say that he is good. To declare that he is just. He is not partial. He is just. He is good. And is willing and ready to help you. So he says, whom God has set forth to be a proposition through, his, through faith in his blood. To declare his goodness or his righteousness. Then he says, for the remission of sins that are passed through the forbearance of God. Do you understand that? Do you understand forbearance? What does it mean? What does forbearance mean? Let's read a simpler version so that you understand, isn't it? Let's read Amplify. Okay. BB, he says, whom God has put for, forward as the sign of his mercy. Through faith by his blood to make clear his righteousness. When in his pity, God let the sins of earlier times go without punishment. Have you seen what he's talking about now? Go to the next verse. BB. Let's read in BB. It says, Whom God has put forward as a sign of his mercy through faith in his blood to make clear his righteousness. When in his pity, God let the sins of earlier times go without punishment. 26. And to make clear his righteousness now. Have you seen it? So that he might himself be upright. <laughs> how upright is he? he? He recreated us, isn't it? So it will not be just on the side to allow us to go into perdition and into distraction. So he did that to declare his uprightness. To declare, to declare himself to be upright and give righteousness to him who has faith in Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So through that process, he declares himself to be upright and he gives anybody who comes to him. Okay? Through faith in Christ, he says righteousness. He imputes unto him or he gives unto him the gift of righteousness. Hallelujah. 
Praise the Lord. So that is the righteousness of God. And the Bible says that the scriptures is there to instruct us in righteousness. It's an instruction manual concerning righteousness. What, what is he talking about? What is he talking about? I said righteousness is the goodness of God. It's the inability of God to sit and watch things go into chaos, isn't it? Now we have been made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. So we are the ones who have been brought as the goodness of God into this earth. We are here to declare God's goodness. <laughs> if you read in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, there's a famous scripture in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. What does it say? But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Isn't it? It says, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Then it says, and all these other things shall be added unto you. What is he talking about? It says, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. How do you seek the kingdom of God? You see, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God is in the hearts of men, isn't it? You see the kingdom of God by putting it into the hearts of men. Right? Jesus said that sometime will come that people will say, see, the kingdom of God is here, the kingdom of God is there. He says, don't mind them, the kingdom of God is in your heart. You see? So the kingdom of God is in our heart, and we seek that kingdom by expanding it, by making sure it gets into other people's hearts. We expand it, we seek it by making sure it's expanding. Okay? He says, seek it first, the kingdom of God, then he says, and his righteousness. Whose righteousness? His righteousness. That's what he says. And his righteousness. Whose righteousness do you think he's talking about? He's talking about the righteousness of God. They seek it first, the kingdom of God, and not your righteousness, and his righteousness. So there's a twofold explanation to this. First of all, it's in making sure other people are made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, just as you have become, by making sure the kingdom of God is extending to other people. That, is, that means that making sure you are winning souls. Okay? You are seeking his righteousness, isn't it? But there's another explanation this way. Seek his goodness in every single matter. Do you understand? Seeking God's goodness in every single situation around you. So someone insulted you. What do you do in that situation? What is the righteousness of God concerning that? What is God's goodness? You are there to bring God's goodness to that place, isn't it? Oh, hallelujah. hallelujah. Sometimes some people come and sit before me and they are quarreling. I won't take sides. I won't take anybody's side. I know what my purpose is in life. My purpose is to seek his righteousness. So what do I do? I say what God wants in that particular situation. What does God want in this situation? It's not, as, it's not who is right or who is wrong. It's what does God think? What is God's goodness? What is God's word concerning this? The word of God is there, or the scriptures is there, to help you know what God thinks concerning every single situation so that you can bring what God thinks into that place when you go there. Hmm, hallelujah. hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. God is good. Say God is good. God is good. And he demonstrates his goodness by showing us and giving us a son. For a son to become the lamb, to become the high priest, and to become the mercy seat. That's God's goodness. Now we must seek that goodness in every single situation. Make that goodness come into every single situation. That is why in Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10, it says that for you are God's workmanship. And it says, created in Christ, it says, unto good works. You have been created unto good works. It says, which God has before ordained that we should walk in them. So we have been called to walk in a certain path called the path of good works. What is he talking about? We have been called to bring the goodness of God into every situation of life. That is your purpose. And you do, you get to know what you're supposed to do in every single situation through God's word. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. See, I'm the goodness of God expressed. Say it again. I'm the goodness of God expressed. I'm the righteousness of God expressed. Hallelujah. That is what you have become. See, for we are his workmanship. Created in Christ Jesus unto good works. We have been created in Christ Jesus unto good works. 
unto good works. Then he says, which God has before ordained that we should walk in them. He has created good works that we should walk in them. Good works. Say good works. Good works. Expressing God's goodness. So if I'm involved, God's goodness will show up. Oh, hallelujah. hallelujah. The goodness of God will show up. The word of God will show up. What God thinks is what is going to happen. Not what anybody thinks. So you have become the, the headquarters of God's goodness. The one who demonstrates and gives God's goodness wherever he finds himself. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. That is your sole purpose. That is the reason. Okay, let me show you what we're reading in 2 Timothy chapter 3. Okay, 2 Timothy chapter 3 from verse 15 to verse 16. Let's look at it. Let me show it to you. Good works. Say good works. Good works. It says, and that from a child that has known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. Verse 16. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. And it's profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. That's what I'm trying to explain to you. Instruction in righteousness. Instruction in knowing the goodness of God. What the goodness of God is in every single situation. Look at the next thing. That the man of God may be perfect. Totally finished unto all good works. That thing shows up again. Totally finished. What is he talking about? Totally equipped. Unto all good works. Totally equipped. Completely equipped to demonstrate God's goodness in every single situation of life. See, I walk by the word. So when you express the word of God, you're actually expressing the goodness of God. You are demonstrating the, the righteousness of God in, in, in that particular situation. And you are seeking the kingdom of God. So it's not, it's not a matter of, of who is right or who is wrong. It's a matter of what does God think. That is God's righteousness. And you have become the one to, to distribute the righteousness of God. To bring that goodness. God's goodness in every single situation. So when you go and they are fighting, what do you do? You don't, you don't side with somebody. This one is right. This one is wrong. No. What does God say concerning that particular thing? Two brethren are fighting. What do you do? Do you side with someone? No. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. There are so many things that God mentions. I mean, that's what the scripture is there for. That's what the word of God is there for. Okay, so first of all, you must know that you are the one to bring his goodness into every single situation. And that is exciting, that God is partnering with you to bring his goodness into every single situation. Man, that is big, isn't it? That is very, very big. I mean, thinking about that alone will let you live another kind of life altogether. Another kind of life altogether. You are the one who is seeking good, seeking God's goodness. God has showed you his goodness. You are the one demonstrating his goodness now in every single situation. So if I, if I arrive, if I show up, his goodness will show. Say if I show up, his goodness will show. His beauty will show. His love will show. His grace will show. His mercy will show. His righteousness will be demonstrated. That is the purpose of my life. The word of God is to instruct you in righteousness. Instruct you as to what to do in every single situation. That was why I was talking about David the last time. Okay, look at David. Hmm. You know Saul, right? How many of you know Saul? I'm not talking about the New Testament Saul. I'm talking about the Old Testament Saul. Saul took 3,000 people, trained soldiers to chase David. For years, he was chasing David, not to arrest him, to kill on sight. To kill him when they see him. If they see him, they are supposed to kill him. That was what happened though. They were chasing him to kill him. But when Saul died, look at the way David responded to Saul's death. 
If it were you, what would you have done? The one who has been looking for you to kill you is dead. The one who has prevent you, been preventing you from going forward and do what you're supposed to do is dead. You, you wear white clothing and take a white band and just start, just start worshipping God, isn't it? But is that the righteousness of God in that particular situation? Emphatically not, because God does not take joy in the death of a righteous man, of an unrighteous man. And David, it's amazing. What a heart. That's why God calls me a man after my own heart. David cries, shed tears for days on end. And kills the man who brought him the news. Isn't that amazing? It's called the righteousness of God, right? <laughs> Hallelujah. Several places in the Bible. Several places in the Bible. The Bible says that do good to those who despitefully use you. It says when someone slaps you on the, on the left cheek, turn their <laughs> That is, God, that is what God thinks about. That is what God thinks. So you don't respond with your human, with human things. You respond with the word of God. And as you respond with the word of God, the righteousness of God is demonstrated in that particular situation. And that's the purpose of your life. The goodness of God is demonstrated. God's message shows up to someone and shows up in that particular situation. And that's the purpose of your life. To demonstrate God's righteousness. That's what the word of God is there for. So make up your mind. That is, this is the purpose of my life. The purpose of my life is to bring God's goodness into every single situation of life. So whatever happens, some people said, what would Jesus do in this particular situation, isn't it? Christ is in us. So Christ must demonstrate himself in us. And through us. Okay, that's my life. Say it again, that's my life. That's my life. Yeah. 2 Samuel 1, verse 17. David lamented with, the lamentation of, with this lamentation over Saul and over Jonathan, his son. Let's go on. Also, he bade them to teach the children of Judah. The use of the bow. Behold, it is written in the book of Jashe. Let's read the, the lamentation, what he said. Let's read from verse 15 and see what he said. Hmm, this is when he killed the guy. Go up. This, and they mourned and wept and fasted unto evening for Saul and for Jonathan his son and for the people of the Lord and for the house of Israel because they were falling by the sword. And David said unto the young man that told him, Whence art thou? And he answered, I'm the son of a stranger, an Amalekite. And David said unto him, How was thou not afraid to stretch forth thine hands to destroy the Lord's anointed? That's what David said. He called Saul the Lord's anointed. Meanwhile, he knew that the anointing had departed from him. He knew. He knew. Because if the anointing had not departed from him, he would not be chasing him. But Saul has been anointed. <laughs> Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. See, I bring in the righteousness of God. In every single situation. For instance, I've been saying this for some time now. In Galatians 6 verse 1, the Bible makes mention of something very important today that all of us must know. Okay, Look at this. It's brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault. Brethren. Say brethren. It says, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, you the one who say you are spiritual, says restore such an one in the spirit of what? Meekness. Considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. So what, what is the response of God to someone who has done something wrong? The response of God to someone who has done something wrong is not to criticize or not to put the person down, not to insult. His response is a response of love. The Bible says that love covers a multitude of sins. It covers a multitude of sins. That's what love does. It covers a multitude of sins. Not exposing a multitude of sins, but covereth a multitude of sins. You must find ways and means of helping the brother who has had that problem, not to destroy that brother. If you do that, you've not sought the righteousness of God in that particular situation. So God's word, the word of God is called the word of righteousness. In Hebrews chapter 5, go to Hebrews chapter 5. Let's read from verse 12. Very nice scripture. Hebrews chapter 5 from verse 12. 
says, for when for the time you ought to be teachers. You have need that one teacher again, which be the first person for the oracles of God. Then he says, and I become as such as such as have need of milk and not of strong meat. For strong, for everyone that uses milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness. Have you seen it? This for everyone that uses milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness. For he is a babe. He's unskillful in the word of righteousness. And the whole body of revelation is what you are talking about. The whole body of revealed truth that God has given is called the word of righteousness. Because all the scriptures com- communicate his righteousness, his goodness. Because the righteousness of God was testified of by the law and the prophets. So the law and the prophets speak of his righteousness. And all of them together are called the word of his righteousness. Or the word of righteousness. Hallelujah. It is, he's unskillful in the word of righteousness. For he's a babe. The, the amplifier says he's unable to talk yet. For he's a man infant, not able to talk yet. You see. Your life is for demonstrating the word of God. That is what your life is for. Your life is to communicate the goodness of God. The goodness of God. Not the vengeance of God. The goodness of God. <laughs> See, I'm different. I'm different. Say it again, I'm different. I'm different. When someone steals your, your, your phone, what do you do? Do you, do you read? Have you ever read that scripture where it says, read the, read the scroll, send the scroll into his house so that he might die? Yeah. People, people are into those things. They'll send the scroll so the person will die. You read the scroll for him. It's in the Old Testament. People are doing it and it's working. But is that the righteousness of God? If he takes your phone, tell him, come for the charger. <laughs> you forgot the charger, come for the charger. That's how you're supposed to behave. Not the other way around. See, I'm different. <laughs> how, can, how can you steal from the ocean? Can you successfully steal from the ocean? Can you successfully steal water from the ocean? You, t- you decide that you are going to take buckets or put in a, a whatever, a dredging machine to dredge the, the sea, the ocean. Why are you going to dredge the water to? To what? Because the sea is bigger than the land, than the entire land upon which you are sitting. So when you steal from the sea, you've not, you've not done anything to it. You can't steal from the sea. And your wealth and your riches, the Bible says that it is incalculable. It is unfathomable. So what are you talking about? I lost something, so that's the end of my life. No, my life is not based on what was taken away from me. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. See, I'm different. I'm different. Yeah. So you seek the righteousness of God in every single situation. What does God's word say concerning this? For instance, you are not seeking the righteousness of God if you remain sick. You have to do something about it. God has come. God has died. And has taken away sickness. So you don't have to remain there, right? Praise the Lord. See, I'm the goodness of God expressed. That is what my life is for. Hallelujah. So every single situation, you see, every single situation of life, what does God's word say concerning this? It's to instruct you in righteousness. It's to instruct you in righteousness. That's the purpose. To instruct you. To let you know what to do. To let you what to do. For instance, what do I think about? What, what are you supposed to th- be thinking in your life? And what are you supposed to be expecting? You see, with this knowledge, you should know that you should not expect anything else but goodness in your life. Let me show you a scripture. Go to Second Timothy. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. 
Second Timothy. Sorry, Titus chapter 2. Let's read from verse 14, from verse 11 into 14. Titus chapter 2, from verse 11 to 14. It says, For the grace of God that bringeth salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly. Have you seen it? Did you hear what I'm reading to you? Let's go back to verse 11. It says, For the grace of God that bringeth salvation has appeared to all men, and that grace of God teaches us that we should deny. It says, Denying ungodliness. And worldly lust. It says deny ungodliness and deny worldly lust. It means that it's, it's not, it's, it's a choice. You can deny it, right? To deny it. It says deny ungodliness and worldly lust. It says we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. Verse 13. Looking for that blessed hope and the, and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior Jesus Christ. Who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity. And purify unto himself a peculiar people zealous of good works. This is the reason why he died. So he might have, he might obtain a peculiar people. Zealous of good works. A people with a strong desire to demonstrate his good works everywhere they go. So, you see, we don't live for ourselves. You know we don't live for ourselves, right? So you can't allow your emotions to rule you. See, I refuse to allow my emotions to rule me. And I refuse to allow wrong thoughts to rule me. My life is for demonstrating his righteousness. Yeah. So I'm a peculiar people. Amplified. This is who gave himself on our behalf that he might redeem us, purchase and purchase our freedom from all iniquity and purify for himself a people to be peculiarly his own. People who are eager and enthusiastic about living a life that is good and filled with beneficial deeds. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. See, I'm different. I'm different. So from today onwards, that's how you should live your life. You see, what does God's word say concerning this? In every single situation, so that you show forth God's word. You don't show forth someone what someone thinks. Sometimes, the world tries to tell us what to do. There's a, there are so many voices in the world. The Bible says that there, there are all kinds of voices, and none of them is without signification. Every, there are so many voices. There's the voice of the world. There's the voice of your parents. There's the voice of your friends. There's the voice of education. There's the voice of work. There's so many voices that try to let you know what to do and teach you what to do. But there's the voice of God. There's a voice of God's word. And that's what God seeks for you to have in your life. Okay? That's why he says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Let it dwell in you richly. So he can demonstrate it. And show it forth wherever you go. See, I'm kind. Yeah, so you demonstrate kindness. Someone does something evil to you. That was what I was saying to you the last time. That you, it's, I can't be. Off, you can't offend me. It's very difficult to offend me. It's very very difficult. It's very very difficult. You can't offend me. Not at all. Offend me for what? I'm too full of love. <laughs> you can't offend me. If you like, try. I'll demonstrate love to you so much. You'll be surprised. Hallelujah. See, I'm different. I'm different. Love is patient. Love is kind. See. <laughs> it also says be anxious for nothing, right? Be anxious for nothing. So when anxiety is knocking on your door, what should you do? I refuse to be anxious. What are you doing? You are demonstrating the goodness of God in that particular situation. I refuse to be anxious. I refuse to let my life, my heart be beating concerning this particular thing. No, 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 no. I'll not allow that to happen. I refuse to think about it. I'm not going to allow that to rule my life. 
and to dictate the pace of my life. Sometimes situations try to dictate the pace of how your life should go. It's in the Bible. It says the curse of this world. It's called the curse of this world. The pressure of this world. You know, things come. It's like, why not? Why shouldn't? Let's do something. <laughs> do it God's way. Say, I'm a doer of the word. In Jesus' mighty name. Rise up on your feet and let's pray. God bless you for listening. Keep listening to the word as Christ is made the center of your world. For prayer and counseling, call 024-563-8314 or send an email to info at christworldinc.com. God bless you.